Welcome to the Operational Leaders Podcast, where we discuss the business of running an investment management business with your host and top industry executive, Terrence J. O'Malley. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Diligence Vault, the fintech platform designed to transform, streamline, and automate the due diligence experience. Diligence Vault solves the outdated and inefficient diligence and data collection processes by its digital platform, a solution that's even more important in today's remote working environment. The Diligence Vault platform is built specifically for manager research, ODD, compliance, and ESG teams. And Diligence Vault counts over 20,000 global users, including its strategic investor, Goldman Sachs, and other industry leaders like NEPC, Wells Fargo, USS, and Utimco. Join the vault today at diligencevault.com. My next guest has an extensive range of career experience in the alternative fund industry, including helping launch multiple funds and serving in the roles of CFO and COO. He served as the CFO of an investment advisor that managed approximately $2.2 billion at its peak, advising multiple hedge funds and one registered closed-end fund. In 2009, he co-founded Blue River Partners, which has grown to become the preeminent outsourced service provider to the alternative asset management industry. Please welcome the CEO of Blue River Partners, Mark Fordyce. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thanks, Mark. It's great to have you today. Can you tell us about Blue River Partners? So I always tell people to think about Blue River Partners as a comprehensive outsourced solution for alternative investment managers. We cover the broad spectrum of back office services, everything from regulatory compliance and legal to accounting, to operations, to tax, IT, and cybersecurity. And so if you think about all the functions that occur across the back office, we're able to cover the entire spectrum. We have about 350 people here in the U.S. The two largest offices are in New York and the Dallas-Fort Worth area, although we have offices spread around the rest of the country in Chicago and Austin, Houston, L.A., San Francisco. So we have a nice spread of resources throughout the U.S., and we're servicing right now around 1,100 clients here in the U.S. So, Mark, did you start in Dallas? We did. We started the firm and we founded the firm in Dallas. So let me ask you, it's not necessarily known as the hub of alternatives. How did you get started in the business? So we have a pretty good story. The other founding partner, Mickey Mensis, and I were the ones who founded Blue River Partners. We were working in-house at a fairly large alternative asset manager. Mickey was the CCO and the general counsel. I was the CFO. Basically, we were running the whole back office of that firm. In 2008, when the world fell apart, you know, we were looking for another business to start within the business. And the idea was to provide outsourced back office solutions to other managers outside the one we were working for. It eventually led to us leaving the firm and doing it on our own. And, you know, we were able to get some pretty good starts early on, some pretty good clients early on that really got us a jump start. The timing was pretty good. We knew that there would be some fee compression, some pressure on fees post-economic collapse. We knew that Dodd-Frank would create a need for a lot of regulatory compliance assistance. So we felt that the timing was pretty good and our thesis paid off. There was a demand for the services. There was a significant demand on the compliance side of the business. So we got off to a pretty good start because of the timing. So you're down in Dallas. How has that affected your business and how has it helped in some ways and have there been other challenges? I would say that it was very helpful at the start because we had little to no competition in the Texas market. Most of our competitors were based in New York primarily, and, and we had kind of an open market for the first few years of operation. So 
we operated with relatively little competition. During the time we were building the business, though, we focused in on other markets, you know, New York and Chicago and the West Coast. So we weren't just focused in on the Dallas market, but I think we did have a competitive advantage early on in building our business in the Texas market. We eventually saw more competitors come in. One thing that we probably had an advantage on as well is that it wasn't as easy for our personnel to get picked off. There weren't as many investment advisors or potential recruits. You know, There wasn't thousands of firms that would try to pick our people off, and that's the situation you have in New York. And so we did a good job of retaining our key personnel and having low turnover among our people. Those are some benefits of being in the Dallas market, obviously. Mark, I'm going to guess you're not the first one who had the idea of creating an outsourced firm. You mentioned location as one of your advantages. Why do you think that you and Blue River Partners have been successful where others haven't been? It's interesting because you talk to a lot of people and they say, well, I had that idea. I just never executed on it. And even Mickey and I had that idea years before we ever met. We had the idea of doing something similar. So a lot of people talk about it. Not many people executed on it. Um, I think our timing was good. But I think what was critical, one of the critical elements of our success was that we brought together the legal and compliance in the accounting and operations. I mean, if you think about most service providers in the alternative asset space, very siloed, right? It's compliance providers, it's administration providers, it's operations, it's outsourced CFO, it's tax. And there was no comprehensive offering out there. And so what I think we brought to the market was a, a comprehensive solution that didn't exist in the marketplace. And even today, there's not a lot of competitors for us in the marketplace that have a comprehensive solution. You know, there's a lot of competitors in the different siloed business lines that we have, but very few direct competitors that offer a similar suite of services. Marcus, you and Blue River Partners get big and you achieve a certain efficiency from scale. How do you think about pricing your services where you can offer a lower price because of your scale and yet at the same time you want to make sure you're adequately compensated? Yeah, so you think about the benefits that our offering brings to the typical manager, which they tend to be five to 20 people. They're managing less than a billion, billion and a half dollars. That's kind of your norm. And if you think about if they were to go out and hire full-time resources, a full-time CFO, full-time COO, full-time GC, CCO, those people are hard to keep full-time busy unless it's a very complicated, very large organization. And so you're spending a lot of dollars on resources that are partially utilized. And then you have key man risk with each of those positions, right? If they leave, who's there to fill in for them? And so you think about our model where the client can get the needed services across all the business lines that is very efficient. I mean, if you only need a 20% CFO, well, that's the service we're going to provide you. So we can be very cost effective because we're only providing the services that the client needs. We can also build in teams of people where you have redundancy, coverage, you can create levels of review, you can create separation of duty, those types of things that can't be achieved with internal resources. And so from a manager's perspective, it's great. It eliminates key man risk. It takes the HR headache off of them. It's much less expensive. In many instances, our fees can be charged to the funds or to the LPs rather than being paid out of the management company. So you go through this litany of benefits and the market is starting to see the real benefits of outsourcing some or all of the back office. Can you tell us a little bit about the growth of your business? You started out in Dallas. You opened a number of locations around the U.S. Ultimately, you were recently acquired by IQEQ. Can you walk us through the story of Blue River? Yep. 
I'll walk you through the evolution of our business. So through the years, we added on other service lines early on. So one of the first business lines, in addition to what we started with, was adding on fund administration that was focused in on closed-end fund structures, private equity-styled funds. And then after that, we added on tax compliance and consulting. We added on IT and cybersecurity. And those business lines just evolved out of the demands of our clients. So we started new business lines as we saw enough demand to substantiate or justify starting a new business line. More recently, in June of last year, we were acquired by IQEQ, which is the fourth largest fund administrator and investor servicing firm in the world. They have 23 locations around the globe and 3,500 employees, and they have assets under administration just north of 500 billion. So very large organization. They had those jurisdictions across the globe, but they really didn't have a footprint in the U.S. And so Blue River was the solution for their U.S. footprint. We provided fund administration services, primarily private equity, and that was very attractive to them, in addition to all of our outsourced services that we provide. So we consummated that deal in June of last year, and more recently, we acquired Constellation Advisors, which we announced in January, which, you know, I mentioned there wasn't a whole lot of competition that had these comprehensive services. Constellation was one of our direct competitors that did have a very similar model to the Blue River model. And we acquired them in January. And so combined, we now have the 350 people here in the U.S. and have a lot more presence in all those locations within the U.S. that I described. So if you think about outsourcing, you think about the services that you provide, what in your mind is like the ideal arrangement between a manager and an outsourced service provider in terms of what services are being offered and what kind of coordination there is? Yeah, it varies, right? You can probably assume it varies widely. So for a spin out, a new manager where they're launching their first fund, we're an ideal solution to be their entire back office. I mean, for many of our clients, we perform all the back office functions with the exception of the independent financial audit. And so you have a law firm, you have an audit firm, and we can handle the rest of the business. As you kind of move up the scale on size of clients, it changes, right? As managers reach a certain size or complexity, it almost necessitates some internal resources, whether that's a CFO or a COO or some operational accounting person internally that we'll face off to. And oftentimes when that person is hired, let's say we start out with a manager who was a fund launch, a spin out, and they reach a point where they're on fund two or fund three and they decide to bring in a CFO. What typically happens is we keep performing the same services. We just now report to the CFO and supplement that individual instead of doing all the work ourselves. So you can see kind of that evolution that we've had over the years and how we continue to work for clients. It's very rare where a client will hire internal resources and terminate us. It doesn't make any sense because they're getting this kind of broadband service with, you know, multiple parties in each business line helping them out. And so to eliminate that blanket that we have around these firms, they want to keep that in place and just kind of change how the services are provided or who we're reporting to internally. So rarely does that happen. For the larger clients, you know, where you're talking tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars, those firms are looking for ways to make their back office more efficient as well. And for a lot of them, you know, maybe they've been doing internal fund administration. It's time to outsource the fund administration, and they will look to us to take on that fund administration. Oftentimes, there's bandwidth constraints within their accounting group or within their compliance group, and we'll plug people in. They're more of a, in many cases, more of a staffing solution, if you will. 
or we'll do project-based work, uh, mock SEC exams or gap assessments or operational assessments that we can provide to some of the larger managers. But what we have seen, and I think as bad as COVID has been, one thing that COVID has done is proven out not just our model, but the model for most businesses for people to work remotely. Because in the early days, you know, you would talk to a prospect and they say, well, are you going to put people in my office? And it's like, well, no, we're going to work remotely and we can service you remotely and we'll be in your office as we need to be in your office. What's proven out now is that even these managers who thought they had people in their office, well, their CFO sits in their living room somewhere in probably a different state now. So the model, the outsourced model has really been proven out. And what we're seeing is these very large firms, their eyes are opening to the prospect of outsourcing more and more of their back office needs. You've been in this now for about 12, 13 years. How much has COVID impacted that? And how much of this has been a steady march of acceptance versus an ebb and flow versus this one huge episodic event called COVID? No, no, that's a very good question. So I remember early on speaking with all the big prime brokers, telling them about this great offering we had where we're going to outsource people's back office, and they thought we were crazy. In fact, many of them told me just bluntly, we're not going to send you business with respect to outsource CFOs because we think our clients should have an internal CFO. So there was a big obstacle to overcome with respect to the prime brokers. Many of the institutional investors had not bought into that concept of outsourcing. And so we're fighting a pretty good fight in the early years. But you could see over the last you know, 10, 12 years, it was a pretty gradual, linear type change where it became more accepted. And then it reached a point, I would say, probably five years or so ago, where in many cases it became a preferred alternative to internal hires because these institutional investors could see the benefit of eliminating key man risk. They could see the benefit of having multiple levels of review. They could see the benefit of creating separation of duty. They could see that there was an independent firm, independent from the manager, watching over their shoulder around cash controls, watching over their shoulder around compliance. And what we're seeing today is many, many of these institutional investors prefer our model as opposed to internal hires. We talked a little bit a minute ago about some of the larger firms. Can we go back to that for a minute? Sure. Is there a challenge for the larger firms to, in effect, internally downsize and to outsource personnel? And have you been involved in that and how have the firms handled that? Because I know one of the big issues that people say is, you know, I've got a lot of loyal employees and we got to do something about it. What's been your experience there? Sure. So it's difficult, right? Because when that decision is made to take internal resources and outsource that function, you know, the idea is people lose jobs, right? Which is not good for anyone. In some instances, we're able to take those personnel on, keep them as our employees, and continue to provide the same services back to the manager. It's difficult to create cost efficiencies in those scenarios. Now, there are situations where a manager may have a pretty bloated back office where they've been hiring through the years, they have unlimited management fees. In those situations, we can tend to provide some cost efficiencies because there's just a lot of fat in the back office. Those are difficult situations and those are fairly long to negotiate and figure out. But in many instances, we can take on those personnel, maybe supplement them with some of the personnel that we have in-house. Maybe it's taking on the best people that that manager has. There's a variety of ways to accomplish that for the larger firms. We have the ability to bring some lower cost resources to the table that helps to drive some cost efficiencies. But those are very 
difficult situations that require a lot of thought and consideration and you know there's some compassion involved there because there's people's jobs at stake so it's not something that we take lightly and it's something that that we have to be thoughtful about as we approach those larger engagements mark this outsourcing trend you see it as part of a bigger restructuring of a broader economy whether it's not just alternatives but then maybe you broaden it out to asset management and it maybe even to even beyond that, where you see the outsource, the uh, freelance economy? Yeah, it's interesting what we've seen. And it's not just from COVID. We've seen it for years now, right? Seems like it tends to be a, a millennial generational thing. But we see more and more outsourcing. Within our industry, it's really taken hold, obviously. And if you think back, you know, if you look at the mutual fund industry, which is much more mature, you know, they had outsourced most of those activities long before it came to the alternative asset space. And if you look at Europe and you look at the firms in Europe that do what we do, they're much more mature. That business has been in place for much longer than it has been here in the U.S. And I do think you see it spreading to other industries outside of the alternative asset space. You know, I've had thoughts of having other businesses doing exactly what we did for Blue River, but doing it for other industries. It just makes sense, right? Because there tends to be a lot of inefficiencies with internal hires. You don't have experts necessarily doing that work internally. And you know the benefits I talked about as far as independence and having redundancy and eliminating key man risk, those are all really valuable elements that I don't think a lot of firms think about. Let me ask you about the office of the future then. If this trend continues to play out, what's the office of the future gonna look like in the alternative space? And again, thinking about this in terms of the middle and back office. Sure. And you think about it now, right? I mean, our clients are in our firm. We're all working remotely. It doesn't matter. We're helping funds. We're helping managers launch during the pandemic. And they're all launching from their home. They're not even setting them an office. So when we put together a proposal for IT and cybersecurity build out, it's two phases. One, for building out everyone in their homes. And then if we get to an office situation, we'll build out their office. Me personally, I look at commercial real estate a lot differently now than I historically have. The model's been proven out that people can work from their homes. And working remotely from the Blue River offices is one thing. Working remotely from their homes for Blue River is another thing. So I look at commercial real estate and I say, well, do I need one seat for every three people, one seat for every four people? Probably. You need a place where people can get together, where you can meet clients, where you can meet prospects. you got to be able to train people up that are fresh out of school. So you've got to have office space, but it's probably a third or a fourth of what it historically has been. So commercial real estate's got some problems. It's got some headwinds for sure. So there must be a heavy reliance on technology at your firm. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that's changed and how you use that to deliver services to your clients? Sure. So I like this question because, you know, we're a professional services firm, but we're delivering those professional services with a lot of technology, right? So we use technology around our fund administration to deliver accurate financial statements and capital statements. We use technology to provide reporting capabilities up to our clients and up to their LPs. So that whole process around fund administration and investor reporting is tech heavy. It's all based on leveraging technology to deliver that information and that reporting up to investors. It's key. On the compliance side, the regulatory compliance side, same thing. We use an online compliance portal technology where we're interfacing with our clients' employees and capturing all that back and forth workflows and all that documentation is getting captured within that system. 
We're able to track everything. We're able to send out reminders and certifications and requirements to the people. So I would say if we look at that technology alone and what the capabilities of that technology does for our firm from an automation standpoint and efficiency standpoint, I bet we would need four or five times as many people on our compliance team if we didn't have that technology. So it's dramatic. When we look at the hedge fund side, it's a little different because every hedge fund's different. They trade different asset classes. They have different trading styles and strategies and whatever. So we tend to be agnostic, but what we do help our clients do is identify and vet different technologies and help them to select the technology that best fits their organization and what they're doing. And then we'll plug into that technology. We'll get an extra license for us to plug into that technology. I think on the hedge fund side, we plug into 50 plus different technologies for the benefit of our clients. But our clients have figured out how efficient they can be with proper technology in place. So you get the right OMS, EMS, GL system in place, your life gets easier. And what we've seen in more recent years is quite a few companies come out with kind of this packaged OMS, EMS, GL offering that allows funds to be much more efficient, much more accurate. And so there's been a lot of improvements technology-wise just in recent years, and we've seen a lot of that on the hedge fund side for sure. So you talk a little bit about the technology and how that can be used to scale. Is that something that we're going to see more of in the business, particularly when you think about who the service providers are? Is there going to be consolidations in this business the way you've consolidated with IQ, EQ? Is that the wave of the future? I believe it is. You know, the firms who get the technology right, that piece of it right, are going to be the more successful firms. There's no doubt about it. We have seen a lot of consolidation in the last probably four or five years. We've seen a ton of consolidation around the compliance offerings, the compliance firms that are out there. We've seen a lot of consolidation there. We've seen a lot of consolidation around fund administrators in particular. We see that every day you know, us being acquired by IQEQ and then acquiring Constellation, that's the consolidation. We're seeing it firsthand. And, you know, with respect to IQEQ, we're going to continue to grow organically and we're going to continue to grow inorganically. And the focus in many instances is around technology. What technology could we acquire to better serve our clients to create some efficiency? So there's definitely an amped up level of consolidation going on within our industry. And I think we will see that accelerate over the coming years. So where do you see Blue River Partners in five or 10 years? So being part of IQEQ kind of changes the game for us, right? So here we are managing our 1,100 clients here in the U.S. with 350 people. But what's really great is that we can offer services that IQEQ provides around the globe to our U.S. clients who are looking to set up maybe a fund in Luxembourg or a fund in Ireland, or maybe they want to market into Europe and they need to navigate the regulatory hurdles that they have to deal with there. And so it's a beautiful scenario that we can now offer those types of services out to our U.S. client base. And the reality is, is there's some of our services that really aren't offered in Europe or Asia, some of our outsourced services. So taking the model we've developed here and imposing it In Europe, in Asia, and other parts of the world, I think there's a lot of upside potential there. If we look at just the U.S., I wouldn't be surprised if we have a 1,000 people in three or four years. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, One of the things that IQEQ focuses in on, and they've been very strategic about it, is that they want to be in all the key financial centers. So those 23 locations around the world, they're strategic financial hubs around the globe. 
And the other thing they want to be is the most complete offering, meaning we want to be able to provide all the services that our clients could possibly want and provide them wherever they need them around the globe. And so as IQEQ continues to build out that vision of being the most complete and being in all the right jurisdictions, we'll continue to add businesses around the globe. I could see, we may not be the largest ever, but I think the goal of becoming the most complete and having the most comprehensive offering out there is where we'll get to. Hey, thanks, Mark. It's been great to have you join us today. It's a really interesting story, the kind of history of outsourcing and how you've been a part of that. If people want to find out more about Blue River Partners, they want to connect with you, how can they do that? So we've got our website. It's blueriverpartnersllc.com. MyQEQ also has a website. Constellation has its own website. Over time, as we go through the integration, we'll have it consolidated down into one. So any one of those three websites, you can find us there. And then my email address is fordice at blueriverpartnersllc.com. And I would love to hear from anyone who has any questions or inquiries. All right. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you, Karen. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Diligence Vault. The firm's easy-to-use platform has digitized the research and due diligence process for thousands. For all of your manager and fund diligence needs, check out diligencevault.com.